Welcome back to Redbird Report. As always, I'm your host, Scott Prieros, and with me I have my sports editor, Reed Watkins. Uh, we got a big weekend ahead of us, Reed, don't we? Yeah, there's no question. Um, it's Thanksgiving break for the students, but sports never stop, so we're definitely excited to keep up with our coverage this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, a big weekend ahead, but also a, a big week behind us. Um, and We'll start recapping ISU Volleyball. Um, they get swept uh, in their two matches, not totally, but against Southern and Missouri State, and then they come into Peoria on Wednesday, um, take three out of the four sets against the uh, Braves, and they get the sixth seed um, for the MVC tournament. Um, not ideal that you have to face the team that swept you Saturday on their home court again in the first round, but, I mean, we've seen from what this ISU team has done throughout the year that, like, Anything is possible, honestly, and on a given basis, especially in this conference. Yeah, it was um, it was five sets against Southern. Five against Southern. Yeah, so um, either way. I mean, three sets and five sets are tough losses in their own unique ways. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I think we've seen a lot from this team this year that makes it tough to count them out of anything because, uh, I mean, Allie Matters talked about it after the game last night. After that um, – nine match win streak you know everything's feeling good you go into two matches that you're not supposed to win on paper and you and i and drake that iowa road swing that's so tough um and you go oh and two and then you come home and hannah reichensperger tears her acl it's like the odds were against you in those four matches it was a tough weekend last weekend where you lose in five sets you get swept the next night um on you know one of their longer road trips in the conference they actually like flew to that missouri state match um so a lot of travel goes into that and yeah it's just a tough tough road trip to come around and you know try to rebound from that and they did it um against their rival um a lot of emotion went into that game with how that matchup went last year um this is one they really wanted and a huge way to end the year, um, the regular season, I should say, with a win against your rival in a matchup that you cared a lot about. And they didn't hide that. You can kind of read more about that in the article I put together. But this one meant a lot to this team, and they were able to get it. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, like I said, it's unfortunate the, the weekend sweep that they had when you were in that, like, you could climb a little bit, mm-hmm. you could fall a little bit, and to have the results like that. But like you said, to have the resiliency to bounce back in a game that, like you said, holds so much emotion, um, it shows what this team's made of. Um, and I think you, I think they, they got a chance here. Um, obviously, with the way it's formatted, um, nobody runs into you and I or Drake until um, Tuesday mm-hmm. um, in the semifinals. So ISU will play Missouri State Sunday. If they're able to win that one, um, I believe it is uh, UIC, I believe it is, that they play um, I, I can't remember exactly what the format is. It's, it's different than a lot of other tournaments, so mm-hmm. it always throws me off. Um, but regardless, not having to play that you and I intrigue might allow you to gain some momentum if you're able to start off the tournament hot. Yeah, no doubt. Like you said, it's not like you're tip- like you put eight teams in a tournament, you kind of expect a bracket to look a certain way. Not the case for um, Missouri Valley Conference Volleyball, but it's kind of exciting. Um, like you said, it is UIC in that second round, and then they are playing to they would play to against UIC to face Drake in the semifinals. So it is interesting those one and two seeds get a just a free pass to the semis, but um, that's just the format they have to go against. And 
if there is a side of the bracket to be on, it is the one without you and I, who I believe finished off a perfect season in the Missouri Valley Conference, which is just an amazing accomplishment. Um, so yeah, you got to face Drake, to, and then you'd most likely meet up with you and I in the um, championship if you can get there. So it is um, an interesting bracket, but it all starts against that team that you just got swept against. Um, same spot, same location on their home court on Saturday. So to go back there and um, reverse that result would be is just a challenge in itself. So we'll see what um, this team is made of and you know how they want to go out um, or keep playing in 2023. Yeah, we've really seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows with this team mm-hmm. at times, it feels like. And I, I'm really curious to see what, what they provide um, Sunday. I think it's a 6 p.m. match, right? You'll be there. Yeah, that's right. I will be on it on the road. Um, it's like five hours, so I'm pumped, pumped to make that road trip and just see. Um, hope, you know, you obviously not rooting for anyone as a journalist, but um, wouldn't mind extending extending the stay in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like we said, 6 p.m. Sunday, um, they will travel to Missouri State to take on the Bears. Um, we'll move on. ISU football, a big 44-7 dominant win over Murray State this past weekend. Um, really just looked good from start to finish. Um, Tommy Rittenhouse looked like he didn't miss a beat. Um, last year he came in with three games remaining. Um, the Redbirds went 1-2 and two in that stretch. Their lone win, I believe, was the overtime win over Western Illinois. Um, and now this year they get the first win with Rittenhouse starting. And he looked a lot more comfortable in the offense than he did last year. Um, we knew he had the legs. We knew he had the mobility. But he actually made an, an emphasis to himself that he wasn't going to leave the pocket too early and he wasn't going to run unless he needed to. And to be honest with you, he made some really good throws throughout that game that impressed me. Um, his touchdown throw to Sopkowicz was a solid throw. Um, he had a nice sideline throw to uh, Cam Grandy. Maybe a little high, but it was in a spot where only Grandy could get the ball. Um, he just looked really comfortable in the office offense. And... Brock's back has yet to actually confirm whether or not Zach Anikstead is out, but all signs are pointing to him being out, so it's going to be up to Rittenhouse once again um, to step up in a big way because it feels like a must-win for the Redbirds, and if you do win, you're going to need a lot of other pieces to fall your way if you want to make it into the FCS playoffs. Yeah, obviously not ideal um, situation, hoping for other things to turn out your way, Um, but I mean, that's the position they're in at this point in the season, and It'll be interesting to see how that how everything falls, but it doesn't matter if you don't get that win. Um, so obviously that's all you can control, and that's all they need to be focused on right now. I don't know um, how I – it's tough to evaluate that performance by Rittenhouse because it is against a team in Murray State that struggled this year and is not known – I mean, it's their second, second year in the MVFC, um, I believe. So it's tough to truly evaluate that. I don't think it's – a and apologize, I wasn't familiar with your game moment <laughs> quite yet, um, but I was impressed. I was really impressed by what he did and the numbers he put up um, against anyone in that conference is a challenge. So let's um, I'll see how he builds on that and just if he can keep that rolling against, I believe it's the number 13th ranked team in um, FCS football. Yeah, North Dakota's a really tough team, and they're especially tough on their home field. 5-0 uh, and o there this year. Um, that's where they dismantled um, FCS powerhouse North Dakota State. Granted, North Dakota State 
isn't quite having the year that they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. But still, I think that final score was like 49-24 or something along those lines. So they're a really tough team. Um, their quarterback's one of the more accurate in the country. I believe he's fourth in FCS in a completion percentage. Um, very efficient quarterback. Um, and it's tough to play against. Um, it's in a dome. So it's good that ISU has this new practice facility. Obviously, you get a chance to kind of feel it out a little bit in terms of what it's going to feel like on the field. It's not a perfect uh, representation, but it helps you. But, no, I, I obviously you want Rittenhouse to play well, but it's also going to come up to the defense to get stops. Um, the defense had kind of struggled for a stretch there. Um, they gave up 21 points early against the UNI, and then they settled in. Um, they allowed that. 41 I believe it was against Youngstown State they give up 35 against Missouri State so I mean the defense was struggling for a bit there they settle in against Murray State and now you're gonna have to give us one more of your best showings if you want to extend your season right no no question about that um yeah I mean their last home game was against an 0-8 um Indiana State team or I guess after the game they were 0-8 um and then went to overtime, so kind of an interesting atmosphere. But like you said about their home field, that even against in that game at this point in the season when attendance numbers tend to fall down sometimes, um, maybe it helps that you're inside, but it was 11,125 people in attendance according to their website. So just a very um, tough environment. Like you said, it's unfamiliar. It's a, like half the domes in – college football in the MBFC, um, which is interesting. So maybe you have a little bit more experience than any other given team would, but um, it's a challenge to go in there and play against a team that has such a strong fan base, um, even after I believe they followed that up with, um, I guess, one more road win, but are coming off that road loss to South Dakota. So um, that was a, that, yeah, that was an interesting game because they were up 10 nothing deep into that game. I think right. it was late third quarter they were still up 10 nothing, but – then South Dakota got a little bit of momentum, and South Dakota's a very, very good team mm-hmm. as well. But, no, I, it, it's going to be a tough game. But, I mean, this team has shown that they can do good things. Um, at times they've struggled, but I, obviously you'd love to have your leader um, in Zach Anikstead. But Tommy Rittenhouse is settling in. He might have to be a guy next year too, mm. um, depending on what they do. But you never know with the transfer portal nowadays, like I said, and we talked about this last week as well. But... No, I, it, it's going to be a fun game, um, and it's going to be interesting to see if they do win, how these other pieces fall, and whether or not the Redbirds are able to sneak in. But like I said, right the way it's looking right now, they're going to need a lot of things to go their way if they want to sneak in. Um, we'll move on to the indoor, uh, back inside, uh, men's and women's basketball. Men's basketball, big win this uh, last night, eight-point win over Eastern Illinois. Um that game was ugly early. Um, I think it was twenty to thirteen is what Eastern led by um, with about seven ish minutes left in the first half. Um, Dan Lewers was having a really good game for the Panthers early. He had twelve of their first twenty points, um, and then he got into some foul trouble and he couldn't play much of the rest of the game. And I think that really hurt the Panthers because their offense was borderline non-existent the rest of the game. Um, ISU really settled in, and then offensively for the Redbirds, you had Johnny Kinziger probably the best game of his young career um, even counting the exhibition these two games before this um, I believe it was 11 points he had there he just he looked comfortable um, 
he didn't look like a freshman. He looked like a, a veteran. He looked like he could run an offense. He he could take the contact. He's not a big guy, but he's willing to do the the dirty work, um, whether it's diving for a loose ball, climbing the uh, ladder for an offensive rebound, whatever it might be. Um, he he was a spark for that team, and the players noticed it. Uh, Peden noticed it, and it's going to be a really really big part of this roster because you have Dalton Banks as your starting point guard, and you have Kinzier coming off the bench as your backup point guard. And that's a really solid one too, right there. Right, and that's exactly what this team needed was consistency and depth, um, and really just anyone to be a true point guard. Um, so I think they have that in Kinziger, which is huge. I mean, and you talk about all the time, it's not about who's starting the game, it's about who's finishing the game, and I think Johnny Kinziger is going to be a guy who has a very good chance to be finishing games, even if he's not in the starting lineup, um, which is just really impressive to have that m- impression on, like you said, Coach Pete and your teammates and so many others um, outside the program as a true freshman playing um, at this level. You know, it's it takes a lot, especially for a guy who's a little undersized, and uh, he's talked about that and everything he does to make up for um, his size with his quickness and speed and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I've just been very impressed. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on – um, Ty Pence, the other you know scholarship freshman who's expected to play this year, um, it's been a little bit slower of a start and a little bit more time for him to get acclimated to the game. Um, but I think you know when he has to match up against you know bigger, stronger guys, it's a little different than um, when Kinzinger does at the um, point guard spot. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is the fact that Kinzinger has a relatively set role and Pence's role is kind of fluid at the moment mm-hmm. because he can play the guard position, he can handle the ball, but he can also, there's going to be situations where they're going up against a smaller team and maybe Ty Pence is your four. Maybe Kendall Lewis or Miles Foster is your five and Ty Pence is your four and you're going with three other guards. And so I think the problem with him is that his flu- his role is a little more fluid, like I said, so it's just taking him a little bit to little bit to get adjusted and kind of accustomed to the college basketball level um but i think it'll come um confident it'll come uh he he's a really talented player and peden talked about it that some of these guys are still kind of finding their footing and it'll take some time but he'll get there yeah no question uh, i was very impressed by how kendall lewis settled into the yeah. lineup um that was kind of my biggest takeaway was you know they have their guy back which is huge, huge. yeah i mean there's no question he is such a proven player at this level in this conference in this in SefQ arena like he is going to make an impact it was just a matter of time for him to get settled down um also very impressed by miles foster and the way he has you know held it down while kendall lewis took a minute to get um right back into it so um yeah i think there's some impressive things at the guard depth i would predict that we will see Brandon Lieb start to develop a little bit more and um, in but terms of consistency and production. I think the thing with him, just because of his size, is it's also a matchup thing as well. Um, EIU had one very, uh, I think he was 6'10", 235, if I remember correctly, um, but he's a bigger guy, um, and they were having Miles Foster work against him a lot, and Brandon Lieb kind of that, that creates issues defensively for Lieb because you're not going to put him on a guard, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was kind of a matchup thing, and I think you'll see it switch up game by game. And uh, Peter mentioned it, I believe it was after the uh, Lords game, that the lineups are very fluid and it's going to be changing over time. Um, but no, yeah, I just think the biggest thing is that 
that's where you'll see, like, oh, Ty Pence is going to get more minutes because it's a smaller lineup. Brandon Lee is going to get more minutes because they have two really b- talented bigs that you mm-hmm. need to be able to match up against. And it, it's just going to be – and that that's what's nice about this team and its depth is that you have so many guards and you have so many posts that are talented at different things, they're able to switch up the rotations. And I don't know that that was a possibility last year. You had to be at least relatively consistent because – you don't know that you could have fully relied on every player. And I think Peden's confident that he can rely on every player right now. Yeah, no doubt. Like you were saying about the matchups, I think it was interesting to see in the St. Louis game that St. Louis had to bring in their seven-foot-tall freshman to hang with Lieb. And that was a matchup that Lieb was winning a lot. And you just didn't see it as much in the second half as ISU went to small ball and you can't argue with the results it had on the team um, and the way they were able to scratch and claw their way back into the game, make it a, from 24 points to a five-point lead. Um, but, you know, I think that there will be a time and place where Lieb is the one that's making other teams adjust rather than the other way right. around. And it's just a matter of him getting settled in and um, getting used to this role that he has not had to this point in his college career. Right. Um, they return to action Monday at 12.30. Um, the Gulf Coast Showcase, they start um, at Fort Myers, Florida against Long Beach State. Um, and then they'll have two more games, one Tuesday and then one Wednesday before traveling back um, north um, where they'll start the first portion, I guess you would call it, a conference play. Um, they go to UIC the Thursday after um, the holiday break there. So... Up and down start, I would say, for them. Um, you get your first look at them essentially fully healthy. Granted, I don't know about you, I don't think Darius Burford looked to be 100%, but you had f- the 14 players that you're going to dress from start to finish this year for the first time this year, obviously with Chase Walker likely redshirting. We'll move on to women's basketball. Um, they get a win of their own, probably a little close, too close for comfort um, for the Redbirds and head coach Kristen Gillespie. Um, they win 90-86. I think it was like, it was a two. It was initially called a three, ended up being a two. So it cut the lead at the end there. It was 90-84 before um, the Cougars hit a buzzer beater. But, again, you're fully healthy now. Um, you're fully he- healthy against Omaha, and you scored 105 points. You're fully healthy against the Cougars, and you score 90 points. They didn't have Deanna Wilson. They only scored 62 against Green Bay. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I think having Deanna Wilson on the court is a very big difference for this Redbird team. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the impact that she has is just unquestionable. And every question – I mean, I love Deanna Wilson's personality that she shows in the press conference because it's always a simple answer. And it there i mean you can't argue with it she's just doing her thing she's like you asked her uh what made you so hard to stop today or like what made you allowed you to get into your rhythm and mm-hmm. she said i just play my game exactly and nothing else that's yeah to say. yeah i mean that's all you can say you know because she does her thing and it makes such a big difference on the game um and you have to appreciate that that realness um so i think it's just so accurate that um she impacts the game in a way that you just don't see at this level, at this mid-major um, level that much, and it just—you can just tell by her being on the court and her, you know, being injured Saturday that it's just a different team when she's there. And um, 
obviously showed off her three-point shooting ability again, which is very impressive and something that I'm super um, interested in seeing how that grows throughout the season. And we joked about that after the exhibition that she hit a three-pointer, but she made the three-pointer in the exhibition. She made a three-pointer against Omaha. She obviously didn't play against Green Bay, and she made a three-pointer against SIUE. Mm-hmm. Um and SIUE had to respect it, actually, because I think it was she made the three-pointer. Right. And then a few plays later, um, she got the ball at the top of the key, and they went out and contested <laughs> her. Like, she pump faked, and they jumped, and she drove right past yeah. them. And it's not going to be something that you're taking five, six times a game, but it's going to be a shot that maybe opens up your offense a little bit and can be scary. Um, but outside of Wilson, uh, Maya Wong, her offense has been the best I've seen. I've covered this team now the last three years, and this is the best offense I've seen out of Maya Wong um, for stretches. She had 17-17 and then a career-high 19 um, yesterday. Um, she was always more of a facilitator, which isn't a bad thing at all. That's what you, you are as a point guard, and she could attack, and she'd have her moments. But this year it seems like she's balancing the scoring and the passing, and it's been really scary. Caroline Waite has been a huge boost for this offense early on this year, knocking down some shots. Um, Kate Bowman is doing everything that you can ask for from Kate Bowman. And then your depth. Uh, Shannon Dowell's been really impressive off the bench. Molly Lenz settling in a little bit. Um, Savannah McGowan um, has been a really solid depth piece at the uh, at the forward position. Um, so you're kind of just figuring it out. It's going to take some time. Obviously, Gillespie was – you were there, Reed. She was not very happy after that win. Um, she knows this team is better than what they showed, but it's early the relatively new look team. I mean, you have the three in terms of Wong, Bowman, and Wilson, but then Caroline Waits new. Um, Abby Alzma is in a new role, and she's struggling early. Deja Smith coming off the ACL, and then you have a bunch of freshmen getting a lot of minutes. So it's going to take some time, but offensively, I think you have a lot to like, and then it's the defense that maybe you want to look into a little more. Yeah, I think one of the things that I respect the most about Kristen Gillespie is that she will never um, – she doesn't find wins and losses, and in and in wins, she's able to be tough on her team still and realize that you don't want to say it shouldn't have been that close, but you know they could be better. And I think that is the mentality the whole program takes on after her, which is why you see them striving to be so great, and you see the results come through in Missouri Valley Conference play um, and in the tournament. Um, especially two years ago, you know. So I think that is the thing you see in this program is they're not content with something like this against a team that, I mean, Maya Wong said in the press conference, like, you no know, offense. No, no offense, but this is not the best team they're going to see this year. Um, so they're preparing to get stronger and stronger competition. They're going to see that um, when they travel to California for the multi team event they're playing in against St. Mary's. Um, so, But like you said again about Wong, I think she's always had this ability. Um, she just hasn't needed to do it. Right, exactly, and she's so comfortable. I've gotten to – she was on the first beat I ever covered, which is kind of cool, at uh, Normal Community High School. So um, getting to see her grow in this role has been really special and seeing her do what she's been capable of for so long, but now it's needed and she's stepping up which is um, really cool. And I think this guard play, I wouldn't sleep on Abby Alzma. Um, It'll take some time, but she's, she'll get there. Gillespie said she just needs to have a game, you know, and I think that's for any shooter. Really? Um, so just wait for that. I mean, you can't stop shooting. Um, that's your job. You know, you have to continue to 
produce from outside the three-point line and I think she will do that at some point this season it's just a matter of you know, seeing the ball go through the hoop a couple times in real live action games yeah definitely uh they get um it's weird this how the schedule's working because they have that exhibition and then you go Omaha Green Bay SIUE and now they're playing I believe it's an NAI school in St. Francis um Illinois they host them Sunday at 2 p.m. Um, before they travel, like you said, to uh, Morega, California. They play UT Arlington um, the Friday after Thanksgiving at 6 p.m., and then the next day they play St. Mary's at 5 p.m. Um, so a good, it'll be a good test for the Redbirds there of both ends, offense and defense, um, before they travel back home um, November 30th is their next game after that. Um, I think that's it for women's basketball. The last thing we want to recap for you guys, um, cross-country finished their season at the NCAA Midwest Regional. Um, Men placed 17th there while the women's team took 21st. Um, And Mathis Javond uh, led the charge for the Redbirds there, a 17th place finish individually for himself. Um, He earned uh, Missouri Valley Conference and NCAA All-Region Honors, a name that we saw from the first meet to the last year. Um, a really impressive season from him. Uh, and then Claire Foliage on the women's side, a 53rd place finish there, and Madison Plummer, 73rd. Again, a couple names that we continue to see. Um, really, really bright futures for these uh, these student-athletes and a really impressive seasons for them, I'd say, at least. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think um, this is it's a, it's a proud program, and it's nice to see um, the whole team, um, both squads, getting to be at this NCAA regional and show what they're made of. I think it was, um, you know, I think it's two teams out of however many they have there that get to move on with their season. So it's a tough task yeah. for anyone, especially a mid-major. Um, but I, I was impressed by what we saw out of these um, these athletes this fall. And um, like you mentioned, those names we just kept seeing throughout uh, were impressive. And I think they have some some younger people, especially on the, the women's side and a few on the men's side that, well, you know, you're going to see for years to come. So a lot of positives from this Redbird cross-country season on both the men's and women's side and um, definitely just something to build on. I know um, Claire Fullage is done, um, but I think you have some time left with Mathis Chavon as yes. the leaders on the um, the men's team. So um, plenty to build on and plenty to be excited about for Redbird cross-country. Yeah, definitely. And some of these athletes will still get a chance here this year. Um, some of right. them are also – track runners as well um which that season actually starts um december 2nd yeah i think i was trying to do my math here it's the saturday after thanksgiving the week of thanksgiving mm. yes if i'm doing that right um and that's actually at home um horton Fieldhouse, the redbird challenge um and then yeah you're into track season so um you get a little time to recoup and then get right into it but no like you mentioned just really strong seasons um some of these athletes are done now that they don't really have any more um they don't have any more meets obviously but some of them are young athletes who got a good stepping stone this year and can continue to build on it um but yeah no like i said track and field season now starts in less than two weeks now so or i'm sorry two weeks actually um so it's gonna be gonna be an exciting uh winter season here a lot of these sports right now are kind of given a lot of excitement for isu fans as a whole I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to follow along for all the updates of this big weekend ahead. Um, ISU Volleyball in the NVC Tournament and uh, ISU Football, North Dakota, a must-win game, it feels like. Um, men's and women's basketball have their respective Thanksgiving break tournaments. 
Um, but yeah, follow along for all of that on our Twitter accounts at the underscore vedette and at biddy underscore sports. And we will talk to you guys again next week.